The Pace Line is produced by The Cycling Independent, the only cycling media completely free of commercial influence. We are community-supported and dedicated to the whole of cycling. As our tagline says, if you ride bikes, you're one of us. From the Cycling Independent, this is The Pace Line, the podcast on two wheels. I'm Patrick Brady, and with me is my co-host, Patria Vandermark. Each week, we take a look at how cycling fits in our lives. Well, Patria, I hear you've got some good news for us, or at least for Uh, yourself. (laughs) I do, yes. I hired a new mechanic uh, yesterday, so who will be starting with us soon in the bike shops. And just is going to be really terrific for for the shops, for everyone who's buying bikes from us to be able to put the best mechanic hands on on every bike. And uh, this woman comes with tons of experience, personality, the things that our customers really have grown to enjoy about our bike shops. And obviously the right personality fit is incredibly important, as well as having the highest level of mechanic skill. So really hard to find a great mechanic these days. Um, and we hold out for the best mm-hmm. and we were able to, to find her. So very excited. Wow. But this isn't, this doesn't mean we get to keep you here on the podcast, does it? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I need to hire another five people to keep up with, with the workload. Uh, <laughs> I'll help with interviews. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much for your offer. Yeah. Yeah, so, but, so this means that, yeah. Uh, yes. yeah, so we're going to lose you. But I mean, yep. this means that Ride is uh, an entirely uh, an operation that is entirely operated by women. Well, not entirely. No, we have we have male employees and co-owners and that sort of thing. But we have uh, three out of our staff are now women. OK, so, yes, a, a tremendous. You know, it, it's it's nice. We've got diversity in a lot of ways. Of course, we'd love to have more diversity. Uh, we hire as you know. Again, we we need the highest quality people, and however they appear in whatever you know whatever form. It, but there is so much to be gained by having people with different backgrounds and obviously different genders and races and everything else. So it's uh, it's it's wonderful to be able to to have a staff that is female um Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i think that women bring a lot to the cycling world uh obviously males men do too and we've historically had a a lot of men who have been on staff who have all been wonderful just really really good people very easy to work with for all genders and it it has so much to do with personality obviously Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so it's just it's just so hard to say oh yeah you're this or that It, it just putting anyone in a box is never healthy in any way. Yeah. Uh, and because it it's the personality, it's the 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 background a person brings into the position, uh, the attitude, the the focus. And like we're really focused on cycling experiences and making sure every bike and every ride is right for that rider, which is everyone. We work with such a wide swath of people who have various riding interests. Yeah. So as long as the people we have working for us are focused on each person having their perfect ride and not bringing their personal biases into that relationship or that interaction, just awesome things result from that. 
That's really cool. Well, I'm happy for you. Yeah. Uh, Thanks. When you've appeared more harried during these calls, uh, I've certainly felt for you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. yeah, no, there's still plenty of reasons to be harried. We've got lots and lots and lots of bikes to deliver. Uh, you know, of course, the supply chain, as I think everyone knows by now, it's is not easy to get the most important parts for a bike, mm-hmm. namely levers and derailers, um, brakes, that sort of thing. But we've been able to navigate the landscape on that very well. We've been we've been very fortunate. Having our relationship with seven cycles and being able to get frames has been key to mm-hmm. that relationship and seven has really strong supplier relationships and we have really strong supplier relationships that has really helped bring bikes together in ways that I, I don't think every bike shop has been that lucky. Uh, and it's still not easy. We right. do a lot. We do a lot of backflips per bike to get people their bikes. Uh, and we try not to bring that reality to riders because it's stressful. But that's our jobs to feel the stress, to deal with the stress and to try to keep that as really as opaque as possible to Mm -hmm. the rider. I just want you to get this bike, be super excited when you get your bike, but really not know all the stress we went through to make sure that those wheels ended up on that bike with the tires you wanted and all the sorts of small things. There's just so many parts on a bike that you have to worry about. Were you able to get the bottom bracket? Did you get the adapter for the yeah. the rotors? <laughs> oh, we got to change the rotor size. Okay, fine. You know, like, there's little things you can do to make a work, bike work perfectly well, where the thing that you just swapped out is not a big deal. Yeah. But generally, anytime you make a swap, it is a big deal. So yeah. there's well, that. <laughs> I, that's why I'm glad I'm writing about cycling and not still working in a shop. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's fun. I th- I think anyone who works on a bike shop has to enjoy challenges, and <laughs> for sure, to a certain extent, all of the challenge that COVID has brought has been interesting. I think it's helped us all learn things. We've learned how to work differently in order to be more remote, like doing video conferencing now with customers instead of standing in front of a person for the first meeting. I'm doing a lot of that now, and that works really well to be able to connect via the computer. And then, of course, we still want to see each other in person. We still do fittings in person. But getting to know this new world and navigating through that, it it makes us all better people. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, Yeah. And, you know, good on you for managing to adapt uh, through such a weird, weird situation. Um, Yeah. yeah. Again, don't envy you that. Uh, I admire you. (laughs) <laughs> you got my admiration. <laughs> yeah, it'll be nice to have a vacation at some point, yeah. maybe next year. But yeah. yeah, I mean, it will feel good to have a little time away from everything. But right now, hey, this is nose to the grindstone. And it's also spring, which every retailer and everyone who works in a shop knows when it spring hits, it's nose to the grindstone. This is what you do. You work really hard and you don't ride much and, and you, you get you get through it. And then you get to July, which <laughs> tends to be our slowest month. Because so many people are vacationing. Right. Now, a lot of bike shops deal with travelers and people from out of town, uh, tourists who are renting bikes, that sort of thing. But we don't do rental bikes. And so when our riders are out of town, that's our customer base is out of town or people are just trying to ride. They really are not interested in having their bike in the shop unless something goes wrong. But otherwise, (laughs) really, things things drop off pretty well in july that's usually when i take time to see family and take a step back from 
from work. Hmm. Cool. Well, uh, so this is our last episode together. And That's uh, sad. Yeah. Uh, I, I've really enjoyed working with you. This has been awesome. Uh, I've enjoyed I, working with you very much. This has been great. I've been enjoying this a lot. And I've learned a lot about podcasting. I've learned a lot about <laughs> about what it is to be on the other side of a microphone. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, you were a quick study. Uh, but I figured we'd take this last episode. And I just wanted uh, to take some time and ask you, you know, dive into more stuff uh, in terms of what you love in cycling, the things you admire. Uh, in a way we haven't done before. Um, really, that sounds like fun. Yeah, honestly, just make the episode about you. Uh, so uh, I sent you a little list of of favorite things, and uh, you've got some responses for me. So first <laughs> up, what's your favorite event you've ever done? Well, like with all of your questions. These are so hard because there have been so many favorites. There have been mm-hmm. so many highlights. So distilling down to one. Goodness, this is tough. I'll tell you, though, it was the first year of the Honey 100 ride that we had put on. And this uh-huh. is it was a mixed terrain ride. This was before most people had gravel bikes. So there are a lot of people on the ride with 28 millimeter tires. And it was on the trails from Lexington out to towns surrounding Lexington. And what I really Uh liked about this ride was it was so new to people. It was trails that a lot of people on this ride had only ridden on roads. So very new trails. Now these are trails that most people know because they've been on so many times. But this is we're talking what five, six years ago when all this was so new. So there was Mm -hmm. so much eye opening like, oh, this is so neat. The dirt was really cool. The attitudes of everyone on that ride were so good. And I was leading a group. Everyone was very quiet at the beginning. And it was no time at all before everyone in the group was laughing and carrying on and joking around as if they were all good friends from a long time ago. But we had a real diverse group, ages, writing styles and all that. And it was just fun. It was laughter the whole day. Really easy to lead a group like that. And I even got some video on it and I just enjoyed reviewing that and just going back to that to that day and then afterward and there was a lot of food on the ride that we had served so i was part of the organ organizing committee but i also led a ride so i got to enjoy it participate in it mm. but having food on the ride and just sitting around and drinking iced mochas uh, that the studio made it's just so much good time good conversation and, and people connecting so it was it was good in all sorts of ways but it was also at the beginning of all the gravel of all the mixed terrain mm-hmm. so that that really opened doors for a lot of people a lot of people after that started to think about gravel and get gravel bikes so yeah there was there was a lot of a lot of firsts that day oh very cool wow all righty um well your favorite ever bike i mean i can guess the brand but i really don't know where the rest of this answer will go <laughs> right. Well, seven cycles because every bike they make is amazing. Uh, but I mean, the right answer is the bike that I'm riding. Anytime I'm out on a ride, I'm like, oh, I love this bike so much. I just want to spend more time on this bike. That's this is cheating. So great. It's cheating. I know. But if if I had to choose one bike and give all my other bikes away, it would be my seven cycles evergreen because that bike does so much. It's coupled for travel. So I've taken it all over the world. It's gone to New Zealand, to the UK, the Yorkshire Dales, uh, done a well, bike packing trip on the Arizona Trail, 
down to Sedona. I was riding that bike next to people with dual suspension mountain bikes in Sedona. I know I was not jumping this bike or anything, (laughs) (laughs) but it's, it can do everything. Like it's great on the road. I've done plenty of road rides, plenty of training rides, lots of super huge 160 mile cross Massachusetts gravel rides, just everything. And by the end of the day, I still love the bike. Mm-hmm. It's it's great. So, yeah, for the one bike that does almost everything. And obviously, now that I've expanded into the fat bike world, it doesn't do fat. I'm like, oh, man, (laughs) (laughs) there are certain things. I'm not going to take it into deep sand because it's not going to go. But uh, but yeah, so if I had to if I had to pick one, that one really covers most most all of the riding. And it just makes me happy every time, every single time I ride it. What's the widest tire you've ever put on it? Uh, 650B by 50 millimeters. Okay. Yeah. So that's yeah, full the two inches. biggest and mostly because there's not a lot of tire sizes. Actually, there's some 2.1 inch and I've tried, I've thought about trying bigger than that, but then we're getting precariously close to the mountain bike where, so for my <laughs> needs, I don't need to, but I certainly right. I put my evergreen goes out on a lot of demo rides under demo riders. Uh-huh. So I sometimes set it up with the bigger tires so that demo riders can experience it. Yeah. 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 And what's the narrowest tire you've ever run on it? On this bike, 25 millimeter. Okay. Yeah. And it, it, it rides great in all of those modes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Why, why do I ride a 25 millimeter tire? There's absolutely no reason to do that. <laughs> Who rides <laughs> 25 millimeter issue. tires anymore? Right? <laughs> oh, that's so old school. I remember I used to ride 23 millimeter tires and I thought no one should ever ride bigger than 23 millimeter. And now yeah. I'm like, yeah, 28 millimeters, the narrowest anyone really needs to run. Although I can totally understand why people want 25. So I, I get it. There, there are good reasons. But for me, I'm very happy with 28 or bigger. Yeah, well, your your roads are a fair bit like ours are here in Sonoma County, where there's just an awful lot of, you know, beat to hell pavement that has been patched and then potholed yeah. and then repatched and et cetera, right. et cetera. So yeah, I joked that uh, 28 is the new 25. Um, yeah, yeah. I, <clears throat> I, well, the last time I was set a, a set of 25s, I gave them to one of the other contributors uh, for TCI and said, you're going to have to review these because I'm not going to ride them. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I put a pair of 25s on my road bike the other day just because I couldn't find my 28s. Like my equipment goes <laughs> off into Nether Netherland in the demo ride world. And I don't know what happened to my 28 millimeter tires. And of course, 28 millimeter tires are really hard to find right now in, in terms of just ordering them in and replacing them. So I put on a set of 25s and they were fine. They were great. Like all of my bikes take care of me in terms of like the frame is wonderfully vertically compliant. So I'm mm-hmm. okay with the, what I'm feeling from the road, but, but still just having bigger tires where, yeah, you're not going to flat on a pothole. Cool. That's nice. I'd rather fewer flats rather than more. Not that I flat much, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm yeah. easy on bikes. Like I've told you before, I'm not a good tester because I'm easy on bikes mm-hmm. and I'm going to avoid the potholes. So I'm not really going to run right through them and I'm not going to, push through things that I shouldn't, you know, if I get a stick stuck in my tire or my wheel, I'm going to stop before I power through that and destroy the rear derailleur. Yeah. <laughs> things yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. Little, little deals. <laughs> yes. I'm in touch. Um, yeah. There were a couple times I powered through things that um, it turned out that was mm-hmm. the wrong thing to do that day. 
Right. I know lots of people who power through things. Yeah. I've learned, I've learned from, from the mistakes of others for sure. Yeah. Uh, and I, I will say, you know, my seven air heart is essentially just, you know, the evergreen with couplers. Mm-hmm. And yes, good point. so I, I get what you're talking about with, uh, you know, I am still currently, it, 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 today is the one year anniversary of when that bike got ripped off along with mm. another. Um, oh, that's so sad. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, I came up in my Facebook memories this morning. Mm. Oof. Uh, yeah, so yeah, safe. I still haven't replaced it, but I hope that's coming sometime this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, yeah, I've done all sorts of things on that bike. And so I, I see how you could say, yeah, if I, if I had one bike evergreen. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Cause you can, it's proven itself. I've strapped things on the fork so that I can have like cages Mm -hmm. for loading it down for bike packing. Like, yeah, sure. It's not, it's not pretty, but it works. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, and there, there's been single track I've done on that bike that I wouldn't have done (laughs) on any other drop bar bike. Mm -hmm. Uh, Nice. Yeah. That yeah, has changed some, but you know, yeah, at the time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and that, yeah, I, I'll be telling you about this coming weekend later. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Favorite customer build. It's funny. I wanted to make this all about you and you inserted some uh, stuff here uh, about your life as a bike shop person. And I was like, well, you know, yeah. that's, that's who Patria is. That's what she wants to talk about. Celebrating others. Yeah, let's go yeah, there. Absolutely. I, I I think it's it is one of those things where it's true that if you love the work you do, you haven't worked a day in your life. Mm-hmm. I love the work I do. I absolutely love working with people on building bikes. It's great work and it's it's hard work, but it's so fulfilling. Mm-hmm. I, and I, I think about it. I used to work in a in an office at a desk. I was an engineer. I made more money doing other things. But this fulfills me in ways I have never been fulfilled in my past. Like it's it's just so good. Mm. So, yes, I love I really love what I do. My customers become my friends. I've I've got like many personal relationships from building bikes with people that has given me an opportunity to get to know people. So it's it's developed into very much a life, a life work. Mm-hmm. So, yes, that's one reason why I put all this stuff in there, because I think it's, it is very much part of who I am as a human. So my favorite customer build, this one's tough because I have a lot of favorite bikes. I'm <laughs> delivering a bike today that is absolutely beautiful. It's a shimmery raspberry red, mm. uh, really cool parts on it. Rider can't be more excited about it. So that's my favorite one today. However, uh, my more my more recent favorite and tends to be my favorite ones are the bikes that do a lot, a lot of different things. Uh-huh. So this one, a gentleman came to me and said, I want the ultimate gravel bike. <laughs> I want it to be a bike packing bike and uh-huh. I want it to be ultimate gravel bike. And his first trip happened a week or two ago with the cyclist menu down in Arizona on the Arizona trail. So I have experience riding that trail. So I'm like, oh boy. Okay, so let's put the absolutely biggest tires we can put on this bike so speaking of big tire sizes we did a 650 b wheel set with 2.1 inch mountain bike tires Mm -hmm. and he can also run this bike with 40 millimeter 700c tires so for regular gravel when it's not so intense of a gravel situation 
So the bike's well balanced for all of these scenarios. He's got the Envy Adventure fork on it so that he can bolt on the anything cages and really load the bike up with stuff. It's painted. It's got some beautiful greens in it. In fact, Chris King posted this bike on their feed recently on their Instagram feed. So it got it got some cool press, which mm-hmm. was really neat to see people liking it. We did hand boat wheels so that he could have a generator front hub uh, wiring Ooh. for a front light. We decided not to do a rear light. I'm, I'm not super excited about rear uh, lights that are wired into the bike only because the battery lights are so easy to deal with. Yeah. Like at two, two triple A's that last in a hundred hours, it's just really easy to manage battery operated rear lights. And yeah. to save all the wiring and everything. It's a certain cleanliness to not having those wires, I think. But we certainly do those as well. It's, so this bike has all of those things going on with it. It's the mullet build. I really enjoy the mullet because I think it gets people such a great range in gearing and a lot of a lot of ability to to just put on some cool gears and keep it simple. So that's and when I say mullet, even though we've talked about it before, it's the SRAM drop bar shifters levers that are wireless is speaking to the the uh, rear derailleurs the mountain axis mm-hmm. rear derailleur and uh, xx1 and now sram has the gx1 or gx we should call it just the gx mountain axis wireless rear derailleur so now this makes the mullet setup even easier and more attainable price-wise for people mm-hmm. so that's that's a really cool thing that's happened in the past week that was just just announced. So yes, I enjoy putting the mullet set up on lots of bikes, keeping them clean, but keeping them so functional. So just, just the more you can do with the bike, the better. And then mm-hmm. if you were to couple a bike and this bike is not coupled for travel, but it's so easy to couple one of these bikes. So if one wanted to be able to pack it easily, 15 minutes in and out, if it's wireless, you don't have all that other stuff to, to deal with. Easy. It really does make a difference. Yeah, I mm-hmm. can attest to that. Yeah. 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 So there's, there's a lot, a lot to be gained in that simplicity, but yeah, the bike does a lot. Oh, and a beacon front light. That's another important feature that mm-hmm. takes the generator hub, turns it into electricity and light. And then you can feed that electricity back into your phone or your GPS unit, all those sorts of things. So allowing a bike to literally roll for 48 hours by itself in the middle of nowhere, if it wanted to. Mm-hmm. Wow. It's cool. I like that. I like bikes that, that can just go and go and go and don't need anything. Uh-huh. You don't have to worry about. Yeah. yeah. Um, and now just to clarify, wheel size. Uh, so on this bike, wheel size 650B by. Uh, so, yeah, well, 650B and 700C, both two, two mm-hmm. wheel sizes. With various tire sizes. So 650B by 2.1 inch or mm-hmm. 700C by 40 yeah. millimeter. Yeah. Or smaller. I mean, you can always go down in tire size because if you're sure. going smaller, like say you're going to a slick tire, it means that you're going to be on a road. It yeah. means that you're not going to be trying to roll over rocks and you don't have to worry about pedal strike, those sorts of situations. So if the bottom bracket is now closer to the ground, that's not such a big deal. That's not a big problem. Whereas you don't want that bottom bracket to get too close to the ground if you're now running over rocks, roots yeah. on uneven terrain. Yeah. And one thing I got to give seven credit for, uh, you know, with my air heart, I was running 40s on that an awful lot. 
and have mm-hmm. lots of clearance. I mean, I see a whole lot of bikes where, uh, you know, yeah, you get a 40 in there, but you've got a millimeter and a half, two millimeters on either side of that tire before you reach chain stays or seat stays. Uh, right. So they really get a lot of credit from me for managing to, uh, to provide sufficient clearance. Uh, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm fortunate that I don't deal with a lot of mud, but you know, Mm-hmm. But yeah, we, we certainly see where people have gotten into muddy situations or how the wheel becomes untrue for whatever reason and the tire has been rubbing a chainstay. Yeah, you end up ruining a bike if you don't have enough clearance in there. So, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. it is good that they do that because as we see, the world is going to bigger and bigger tires all the time. Yeah. And we'll yeah. see where that ends up topping out <laughs> at some point. <laughs> Everybody's riding a fat bike. <laughs> Yeah. Um, okay. What's your favorite thing to do when you're at the bike shop? Well, I think I touched on it a little bit earlier, but it's working one-on-one with each person mm-hmm. to spec out perfect bikes. And when I say perfect bike, that means perfect bike for that person. And every single person's different. So that means every conversation is different. And that's what makes it interesting. If I was having the same conversation over and over again, I would tire of that very quickly. I'm the type mm-hmm. of person where I like, I like new, I like different. I think that's one reason why I've survived COVID because it's new and different, even though it's not good, it's still new and different. <laughs> now, mm. when we're talking about people, uh-huh. it's the getting creative with them on gearing, what gear range I'm working with a woman right now who needs to get up a very steep hill because she, ta- she lives at the top of a big hill and she doesn't enjoy riding right now because she's always had to dread this hill to get home. Mm -hmm. So she's getting a nice bike with nice low gearing. That's perfect for her. So she's going to now look forward to riding because she doesn't have to worry about the hill anymore. But that's, that's, you know, like that's one of like her criteria to getting Mm -hmm. a bike that's going to help her ride. And she's going to be out there riding so much more than she even dreams. And that happens to so many people when they come in thinking, oh, I'll give this riding thing a try or my spouse wants me to ride. You know, there's so many reasons why people come in saying that they want a bike. Obviously, there's a lot of people who are already avid riders and they know they're going to use the bike. Okay, great. Those are all good situations, but they're not surprising. I I enjoy the situations where people are like, I'm not sure what I'm going to do with this bike, but let's let the bike do everything and we'll see what happens. And then I see them a year later. I you know, might not recognize them because they've been riding so much. They just happen to lose a lot of weight or they look really fit. They're doing all sorts of neat things that they never thought possible for themselves mm-hmm. because they didn't have the equipment that let them do these things or they weren't having fun because they were hurting. So like just getting those aches and pains out and then delivering them a beautiful bike and seeing their eyes light up on new bike day. Like, what is better than giving somebody a new bike? Like, I would imagine this is the way doctors feel when they deliver a new baby to somebody. But while we're talking about inanimate objects, I can't imagine (laughs) anything you can have more fun giving to a person than a bike that they helped put together with you. (laughs) And, and, And that's the thing. You don't have to be super like smart about bikes in order to spec out a good bike. And that's what's cool about my job. You tell me, well, I need to get up that big hill. It's my job to figure out how low of gearing you need in order to get up that hill. But you don't need to know gear inches or what the market's offering, what parts are available so that you can get up that hill. 
that that's the stuff that I deal with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's that's fun. That is super fun. And I do really enjoy the big group rides and, and just seeing people out on rides together. Like just all that, the whole community aspect. There's mm. so many good things about working in a bike shop. And that's what's interesting yeah. because I, I see so many people just like grunting it through every day at a bike shop. But that's not the type of bike shops we have. We're community centers. We're all about like just really avid riding instead of processing people or trying to push big volume through. Yeah. So and that's it's a, it's just a very different place to be. And I've always said I could never work in retail. And I've also said I could never work in a bike shop. Well, <laughs> what the heck are we doing here? There, and it's there are not different a types of bike, bike shops. That's for sure. Not, not normal. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, neat. Now, there are times when you have to get your hands dirty. I love getting my hands dirty. Yeah. I really love getting my hands dirty. Yeah. It, some of my best days are when I feel like I did something cool on a bike, just being able to. Uh, there's so many cool things that one can do on a bike. Mm-hmm. I like I like fixing flat tires and changing chains. And I think one of the reasons why is fixing a flat fast is a way of proving to customers that I know what I'm doing. Because there uh-huh. are certainly okay. people who walk in like, oh, you're just a salesperson. Mm-hmm. Like, well, what do you know about bikes? Well, if you can fix a flat fast then you prove your ability to work with a bike that you're, com- you're comfortable with bikes. You know something about them. Mm-hmm. So it's an easy way of communicating with a person while talking to them. Like you can have a great conversation over fixing a flat because it doesn't take a lot of brain power to deal with. Right. The flat. Right. So it makes a person happy. You have a great conversation out of it. You've proven your worth as someone who belongs in the bike shop. And I like to wear skirts in the summertime. So you'll see me as soon as it gets warm, I wear a skirt. And I really don't care that I don't look like a shop person. I look like I look like a woman in a bike shop who may not necessarily belong in that traditional bike shop. And that's OK. <laughs> <laughs> I love wearing skirts and I love getting my hands dirty. And I think I think it's kind of fun when they both come together. Well, that is certainly working against type. Uh, I'll, I'll give you that one. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> sure. And if anyone's off put by that, fine, whatever. That's. That's great. Uh, but you know, it, it's, it, it's good. It's all good. I mean, my, my background uh, it, in the past as a kid, I love doing things with my hands mm-hmm. and I, I went to school to be a mechanical engineer. So I wanted to work with my hands and my first job out of college wasn't, was not doing that. I could work with my hands on at all. It was computer work, which I enjoyed. It really fundamentally comes down to making things work. How do you make mm-hmm. things work? And well, here we are building bikes with a great team who I'm, I'm not welding those tubes, but goodness, I'm working really closely with the people who weld those tubes. Yeah. And that's, that's really neat. And I have taken welding classes, so I do know how to weld the tubes and I do it very poorly, which is why I let professionals <laughs> do that. It's hard. It is exceptionally hard to make a nice weld and, and to make those perfect stack of dimes. Yeah, that is years and years of hard work and training to to make those exist. So it's neat to appreciate that. But also just, yeah, getting to work with your hands. It's it's good. So this Mm -hmm. is like the happy confluence of all these things together. Awesome. Okay. Uh, Tell me a story about somebody who came in the bike shop who just blew you away. 
Oh, there's so many people who, who of course. blow me away. <laughs> of course. Okay. So this is a story about Henry. And I know a lot of people out there know who I'm talking about. So Henry walks in one day. He's a soccer player originally. And he said that he's interested in getting into cycling. And I guess his, he and his wife had been coming in just sipping cappuccinos at the shop for a while before this, but this is my first conversation with him. So he didn't even own a pair of bike shorts. So we sold him the bike shorts and got to know him and started working with him. It wasn't much time at all that he's on our group rides doing group rides. And then it wasn't too much time after that. He gets a seven evergreen and he's, then he starts to do a lot of really big road rides He's using this evergreen for literally everything. He did uh, Paris Brest Paris now twice, which is 1200 kilometer ride. He started leading group rides. Uh, Goodness gracious. He's and then he started doing cross racing on that bike. He's done a lot of cross races on the bike. He is fit. I mean, this is per someone who came in with fitness from soccer coming in. But I mean, he's. Mm -hmm. I would say probably early 50s when I first met him, probably around there, maybe upper 40s, something like that. Um, So just to jump in headfirst into this new sport and then to see him do like everything. (laughs) And he's like he, he literally does everything. He's winter riding. He's done some of the longest, hardest winter rides. Uh, he did a hundred mile ride on an exceptionally cold day. And I think he was out there by himself for most of the day because there were no riders who could hang with just Ooh. being out there all day. Uh-huh. And he rode, he rode right through it. This was a snowflake century ride that we've hosted Ooh. in the past. And so he led it and he did it. He, he made it to the very end of that ride. And that was not easy. Cause yeah, it was, just, this was a entirely road ride that he did. So, and then this past winter, he got into fat biking and, and he just, he rides all the time. He's a, he's a wonderful person. Always someone you're happy to talk to and, and someone who's brought a lot of people into our sphere because of all of his ride leading, Uh, you know, like being a great leader and someone who others look up to, they see what he's doing on his bikes. I think it's, it, it really helps bring people into the sport. Although I will say, I mean, he does fit the physique of who you expect to see on a bike, you know, tall mm-hmm. and thin, uh, which I think a lot of my stories about people who I really appreciate and, and value as writers don't fit into that. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's the people you look at and you say, wow, I can't believe that that's per- that person's a cyclist because they don't fit into what you would traditionally think of. And then when you hear about that person doing some like huge rides or, um, Oh, just some really cool stuff. It's that's neat because that really also helps bring other people in because anyone can look and say, hey, that could be me. And like, mm-hmm. yes, that's yeah. true. That could be you. That very, very well may be you. And I, I love it when everyone can see in themselves their ability to be a great cyclist. And by great cyclist, I mean, you're simply going out there and accomplishing the goals you set for yourself. That to me is what being a great cyclist is. You love getting on your bike and you love every ride you do. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Very cool. Um, somebody who one of those more atypical people, you know, one of your uh, 
interesting customers, uh, but somebody who may not have, you know, garnered your eye quite, quite as uh, distinctly from their riding. So this is also so many people, but Harriet uh, is a woman who has my just she has my respect in ways that uh, she's she's wonderful. So she's 76 years old. Okay. Uh, she she is a voracious writer. I tell her time and time again, every time I see her, I remind her that she's my hero. Uh, I wish I could do the number of miles in a year that she's doing now. Uh, so I tell her, not only do I want to be you at 76, I want to be you now. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I wish I yeah. had her energy levels. She's really positive. Uh, she came to me for for a bike. In fact, I had connected with her originally. I think it was about a week before she ended up getting hit by a car. Uh, oh, so boy. I had sent her an email to establish a demo ride. And I get an email back from her from the hospital saying, hey, I, I think she had broken her hip. And I can't wait to come in for my demo ride. Like, just that. <laughs> That's pretty cool. <laughs> a lot of people would be like, all right, I just got hit by a car. And I'm not so sure about, like, when this is going to happen. She was already like, I can't wait to come in. I can't wait to do this demo ride. I can't wait to get a bike. The moment she was healed from that, she ran right in and did her demo ride. And just seeing her just jump on the demo bike and take off was really cool. And Harriet, wow. Harriet's not particularly tall. It's hard for her to fit on a typical demo bike because they're all bigger than she is. She still didn't matter. Like the top tube's too tall for her. She just jumped on the bike and went. And she's just been going and going. And I, I just love her. I love her attitude. Every time she emails, and I think sometimes she'll email me to tell me that she needs service on her bike because she's proud of the miles she's doing, as she should be. So uh-huh. she'll say, hey, it's been another 3,000 miles. Time for a new chain. Time for, you know, <laughs> like, I love you. <laughs> I love you. Wow. This is so great that you're doing so many miles. I mean, last year, I think it was last year, she did over 7,500 miles. Oh, um, and, okay. and she had some she had um, something physically, I think, with her shoulder that was keeping her ride shorter than she would like them to be. And she still knocked out that many miles. Uh, so, wow. so Harriet also has some cool stories to tell. And I'm going to include the link in the show notes of her story of doing the Paris Breast Paris ride when she was. uh she was she was young and studying in France. It made her one of the first American women. I think she may have been the first American woman to finish one of the first Americans in general. And this was 1975 to finish Paris, Paris, Paris. I was in fifth grade. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so she's been she's been a badass forever. And like, of course, again, she's smaller stature. How she could ride any of these bikes because they all had to be too big for her. They couldn't have been comfortable. She tells the stories of how uncomfortable she was, but she did it. She would just go out there and ride these big rides. And the guys were super sweet to her and helped her get into this because that's how she found out about it. And I think a lot of a lot of people find their way into cycling because of a supportive group of people who are like, hey, we're going to go do this ride. You want to come along? Yeah. And and she is that kind of person with that attitude. Like, sure, I'd love to do that. And then she just keeps going and going. So, yeah. So I love Harriet. Awesome. She's she's fabulous. And uh, she's got a good story to tell. So I'll include that. Uh, it's it's also worth mentioning her husband was Sheldon Brown, who a lot of people have great respect for. 
Uh, And I regularly use his gear inch calculator to figure out gearing for bikes. So um, I never had the honor of meeting him, but uh, that, you know, his, his soul certainly remains in the new England community. Uh, And and she keeps his website up. He will forever be a part of American cycling. Let's let's give him that. Uh, I had heard that his wife was an avid rider. This okay yeah that's seriously yeah that's avid uh-huh yeah um and one of the things i appreciate her about her is that she's not she's not overly technical like when i was mm-hmm. working with her she didn't have all the answers for me it was still a really cool partnership of hey this is the psyching i want to do and i helped her f- marry that with the right bike with the right frame and the components and all that sort of stuff for what she wants to do so i could i really appreciate that about her she loves riding and she's she's not over you know there's a lot of people who like to geek out about bikes and i i certainly enjoy engaging people in that way too when you want to geek out about (laughs) about gearing and all that um but you know that's not where she at she's at she's really enjoys enjoys riding and she comes from that aspect that's that's terrific um now i feel badly for her because the loss of sheldon for all of those of us who weren't connected to him on a daily basis uh it was a big loss um yeah, yeah she regularly talks about him and misses him and yes so it was definitely a, a big loss to her in fact i saw her on the anniversary of his passing this year um so yeah it, it's really sweet that how she keeps his memory alive and 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 continues to to ride and keep cycling at the very center of her life wow wow what a <laughs> What a neat, neat woman. Okay. Back to things that you like. Um, If we, if we stuck you in a plane and flew Mm -hmm. you somewhere, where would you get out of the plane and where would you be riding? Oh, uh, okay. So, you know, this is one of those questions which I couldn't answer because there's so many good (laughs) ones. Of course, (laughs) I had an incredibly great time riding in Italy. When I lived there, Mm -hmm. I think that's a country that offers so much variety of riding. And even though the drivers are crazy, I never once feared for my life on the roads there. Yeah. And I know they have a tremendous amount of good dirt that I never saw. So I think that would be really neat to experience the country from that perspective. Uh, Of course, you always have good food around the corner and someplace for for espresso and just right. a nice, nice people like the people there in the cycling community are, are just very warm and welcoming. And that was my experience when I was there. Mm-hmm. I really was lucky to, to run into literally run into really nice Italians who didn't speak English and I didn't speak Italian, but that's the thing. Cycling is this universal language that uh, you can, you can pretty much take your bike anywhere in the world and and have an amazing experience but i really want to get back to new zealand uh goodness there's so many places i want to ride i would love to ride and i think i would like to ride a a little teeny tiny piece of the iditarod i don't have any big aspirations to ride longer than that because i'm scared of bears Mm -hmm. and falling through ice but uh, (laughs) so yeah antarctica actually antarctica would be a pretty cool place to take a fat bike so i think before i die antarctica is on the list okay so, so many, uh, so many good places to be. Right. Right. In terms of the places that you have written, though, if 
Yeah. Say I was going to stick you someplace for one month. It's a place you already know. Oh, you're really you already know the roads or the trails. <laughs> oh. What wouldn't you get tired of that you already know? What wouldn't I get tired of? Mm. Wow, you you got me. You you really <laughs> got me. Um, I've been to California. I had the the good luck and fortune of being able to ride out of San Carlos uh-huh. for a week and do a lot of the riding that you do around there, like Half Moon Bay and mm-hmm. went up to San Francisco. I think it would be really easy to stay, to be very happy and find some really cool, neat riding for a month in California. So yeah. I think, yeah, as a, as a not question mark, it's just an easy place to be. You know, you're going to find a lot of great rides. You know, you're going to find people to ride with. <laughs> I'm going to say California. Right. Yeah. I, that, I, I can't disagree with you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. There are reasons I'm here. Uh, yep. At least four or five. You're of all the climbs that you've done over the years, you know, the, the big epic mm-hmm. climbs, yeah. what was your favorite? This one hurt the most, but I, I think I enjoyed it the most because of the views. And that was, uh, the, the Maritona Deli Dolomiti. Mm-hmm. I rode the ride. Basically there's the, the road itself is open to cyclists the week before the Maritona. So the the official race happens one week after this road. It's just open. So you can just go and ride. And I went with my Italian team and and rode that. And it was astoundingly beautiful uh, in this in this three dimensional way where even though I've ridden in the Rockies a lot uh, when I lived in Colorado, when you're in the Dolomites, you just see ranges of mountains just going back so far. Right, uh, and that that climb kills, 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 kills. Take low gear, take low gears. Um, the <laughs> in the descent it, out out of that is is really fun. Like you definitely, if you're climbing a long time, you're you're descending a long time as well. Mm-hmm. It's stunning, and I liked it. Doing it the week before the maratona was great because you can stop and take pictures. I would hate to do the maratona. I think because you just can't get. The pictures, I mean, for a certain amount of time, you're one of the cows, you know, like the herding of cow up (laughs) these mountains. I don't think you're really going to have a chance to take out your camera. Uh, And for that matter, I'll mention that I did do the Nova Coli, which Uh is a really, really neat Grand Fondo in Italy. Uh, That was probably my favorite like race event ever. If we're going to talk about some uh, race type of Thing. Something where you pinned a number on. Yeah, yeah. Where it's it's really huge. Um, and then it, it's like, yeah, you're you're avoiding wheels for a long time or really jumping from wheel to wheel. But I mean, there's like, I don't know, thousands and thousands of people out there that you're mm-hmm. trying to navigate around. But absolutely beautiful, huge party. But I think in the in the Dolomites, do it when it's not the race. <laughs> and then do the Nova Coli <laughs> if you're looking for that Grand Fondo like big grand fondo experience. And then mm-hmm. a lot of the little grand fondos are really fun too. And if you're American, the Italians make a big deal out of Americans, which is so neat. It's it's a really unexpected uh adventure to to go there and if you're American, I, I found that it was it was special. It was really special to be there. So so those types of of situations 
and it, like if you have a chance to go there, do it. Neat. It, yeah, you could find Neat. those. It could be hard though. I'm. Uh, I think you can do it through tour companies. That's where you really want to take advantage of tour companies to mm-hmm. to make those things happen. Yeah. Yeah, there are certainly some that are better suited to those routes than others. Uh, right. I know that. Uh, uh, oh, now I now the name is blanking on me. Uh, we'll come back to that. Uh, <laughs> I've never done any of the European Grand Fondos. I've ridden some mm. of those roads, mm-hmm. but I've never done one of the organized events. And man, it's still on the list. Uh, yeah. I, 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 th- there aren't many boxes I need to tick, mm-hmm. but that's one of them. Yeah. yeah, I I really suggest doing it. If you can find a smaller one, that's pretty special because it's so much more Italian. You see only the Italians and you get more of that Italian experience. And to the next question you're going to ask about meals after after riding. Uh-huh. <laughs> this one, this one's good because in Italy, they serve wonderful food afterward. And you yeah. sit down with your team, you hang out and you chat. Like you have that full community experience and you're, you're drinking red wine and you're drinking all that you want. It's, yeah. and then the pasta of course is everywhere. They call it a pasta party, which I thought was funny being an American. I'm like, where's the, where, you know, where's the Italian word for pasta party? It's pasta party. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah. I didn't it, understand that you meant they literally say pasta party. It's, it literally is pasta party. Exactly. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. And if you want to go mountain biking, the term for that is mountain bike, but with a strong accent. So it's 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 really cool. Hamburgers, hamburger, you know, those sorts of things where like uh-huh. I'm looking for this beautiful Italian word and it's it's a, what I know the the word to be. This is kinda of cool. Uh, that's great. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Wow. That's that's always really fun. Well, you know, big big good meal with the little red wine and and, and mm-hmm. your people, your people around you where you get to talk about that descent and how the, the race went down and, and all that. Just just the community aspect post event is what makes it what it is. Neat. Yeah, I I've got a little taste of that uh, experience. Um, uh, very southern Switzerland, right at the border of Italy. Mm. Uh, I was visiting Assos mm. and uh, uh there was a, a time trial that started from in town uh, and then went up to the top of this mountain nearby. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the also staff was like, Hey, we got to get you in this. It, it happens today, you know, nice. once a year. And I happened to be there the right, I think it was a Thursday. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, got up to the top and they've got this huge spread, you know, serving everyone food. Uh, yeah. Red wine, white wine, beers, uh, you know, perfectly cooked pasta, mm-hmm. um, all the rest. And yeah, people having conversations, a couple people ended up moving to my table because they, they found out there was an American, you know, wanted mm-hmm. to talk to, uh, wanted to speak English to somebody, sure. uh, wanted to draw me out, uh, and have me be part of the conversation. Cool. Uh, I could, I could do more of that, you yeah. know? Yeah, especially if it came at the end of say mm, two hundred kilometers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, right. And it's worth mentioning there was one race that I did. It was started in Montefalco, which is a town uh-huh. next to Bivania, which is where my grandma's family is from. And that's what oh, had wow. taken me to Italy originally. That's the reason why I moved there because I wanted to get to know my family that lives in that area. 
Uh, and this, the Giro d'Italia this year, I have to say, is going to be really cool because it's going through Perugia. So <laughs> I'm really looking forward to seeing it come through. It doesn't usually go through Perugia or the surrounding towns. And these are towns that I knew where I rode. Uh, and thank goodness, because they're going to fix the roads for the first time in about 25 years. So roads there can be terrible. I think that's one of the Umbria's biggest faults is that the roads are so bad. Whereas Tuscany has... the only has, thing I know of that you can complain about there. Yeah, right. Well, Tux, Tuscany takes care of the roads because they know about their tourism dollars. And, right. and Umbria's sort of forgotten about that, but it's absolutely beautiful otherwise. So I did this race that started at the top of Montefalco and it had a neutral start going down the hill, which was terrifying. <laughs> it was scary. So it's still fast and you're packed in there with hundreds of people. And the way the races go, it's men, women, all ages, all abilities together. So like, oh, my gosh, this is scary. But it went right past where my great grandfather had built a little house where he wanted to live until he died, which is where he where he ended up passing away. Um, so getting to race past that was just amazing. Like, wow. how cool is that? Like, I wanted to go to Italy to connect with my family and my roots. And I got to do this race that passed right by his house. And then I ended up getting to know the family that lives right across the street from that house, which I didn't know at the time, but I had to get to know, I, I needed to learn Italian in order to get to know that family. Uh, so it was, it, that was really special. And then the end of that race, of course, is now climbing up that hill <laughs> and, and, and her legs are burning and everything else. But it, that was, that was a really fabulous end. Oh, that's and then, amazing. And then having gelato with the team and I, I, I just, the, team that I raced for were just great. They took really good care of me and they didn't seem to care that I didn't speak any Italian at first, which was great because I was very self-conscious about not being able to speak Italian and of course uh-huh. trying to learn it, but you can only learn so fast to, right. to communicate the way you really want to. So yeah, that was, that was neat. Wow. And a great place to ride. Yeah. Definitely. I highly recommend going there. That's amazing. That's really <laughs> impressive. Uh, wow. We should have gone into that story more on one of our episodes. Heck. You know, and all the stuff. I mean, there's there's certainly so many things that I was looking forward to talking to to you and everyone about on the the pace line. But yeah, there's a lots lots more left to left to be said. Fair enough. All right. Uh, so it's um, so say it's Sunday afternoon. Mm-hmm. You're going to watch a race on TV. Mm-hmm. What would you rather tune into than anything else? The Perry Roubaix, ah, hands down. Mm-hmm. That's a cool race to watch. That's yeah. It, I was able to ride the course, which also highly recommend. Anyone can go do the amateur race the day before, and yep. then you can experience the cobbles, and then you know what the pros are doing. That is hard work. That's a cool race to watch. There's a lot of dynamics going on there with the each of the pave sectors, and there's many of them. Each one has its own personality. Most of them are pretty long. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of a lot of unknowns. You know, you know it's, is your favorite racer going to flat or crash? Uh, boy, you hope that people don't crash because those cobblestones are. I can't imagine painful. going down on that stuff. Oh, yeah. So imagine Ehrenberg Forest, which is the most famous pave sector. It was wet the day that I wrote it, and I was glad because I wanted to see what it felt like on a rainy day, which is what you imagine. And that's the the very traditional Perubé experience. It feels like riding on ice, literally. Oh. 
And as I'm riding through, cyclists are crashing left and right. I mean, just all over the place. So it was neat to have that experience and then to watch it the next day as the racers come through. And then, of course, watching it on TV. Now it has just so much meaning as to what those guys are doing out there. And, oh, man, they're hopefully they're on 28 millimeter tires at this point. But they're on these super stiff bikes and they are getting beaten up <laughs> so <Yeah>. much. <laughs> it's beautiful. It's it's a cool it's a cool race. It's a beautiful experience. And then the end uh, in the velodrome. That's also really neat. That's a neat race finish. And a lot of times there's some drama playing out in the velodrome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's a that's a race you could pull any year. And, uh, I'd sit down and watch it. Yeah. Uh, it, it would be like my, uh, my bike race version of, uh, the guilty pleasure of watching roadhouse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> there are those movies where, you know, you're flipping channels and you see, it, it's like, Oh, I got to watch this. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Now if we, if we constrained you and you're riding, and you could only ride one discipline, fat bikes on snow, doing gravel rides, road rides, mountain biking, sand on the beach like you've done with your fat bike. <laughs> right. If we confined you, if we gave you a cycling jail, what would oh. it be? Oh, what a good question. That's that's cruel and unusual. Um, <laughs> don't do that to me. Uh, I mean, gravel, mixed terrain riding for sure. Uh-huh. Like that, mm-hmm. that would be the, because it's the best of all worlds. It's mm-hmm. the, oh, you're on a cool section of trail and now you're on the road. You're jumping back and forth between the two when you're, you're like, okay, I'm tired of being off road and I, I'd love to just be able to shut off for a moment. Well, then you're on the road and you're using the road to connect to the next trail and you're probably in some really pretty place, not surrounded by nature and it's easy to talk to people. I really mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. I've, I've always appreciated throughout the years, the ability to talk to people when I'm writing and mm-hmm. obviously I like to talk. So <laughs> yeah, there's that. Um, but I, I do love the ability that gravel offers to connect and talk and just sort through things. And, and, and really you have to focus enough on the writing that you're not thinking about work. You're not, you're, you just have to engage in, being out in nature and and being out there with the bike and then whoever you're out there with it's 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 just all good so yes mm. that that's the cycling jail i would be in and i would be pretty <laughs> i would be pretty happy right it wouldn't feel like jail yeah no yeah. absolutely not yeah all right one more question yeah. um you know in terms of the bucket list what's what's one thing for your bucket list that you really absolutely have to do before it's all over um, I've, I've never been a bu- bucket list person. It's a great, this is a really good question, but I don't like to think about it like that. I, I I've, mm-hmm. I've grown as a cyclist, as a person like this year, riding beaches, for example, I've never done that before. I never would have thought in the past that riding beaches would be something that I really enjoy doing. So I don't know what, what does the future hold? It's going to be interesting to see like where, where things go, what new interests that I'll end up with and everybody else will be doing. Who knows, who knows what, um, 
yeah, maybe I'll become a downhill mountain biker and it would be cool to go downhill. I do not have any desire to be a downhill mountain biker. <laughs> I don't have any desire really to do anything that involves jumping off of anything. Um, I would say the continental divide, like tour divide mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. would likely be on that list. Like that mm. would, that would be a neat one because it involves so much varied terrain. I'd love to see Banff. That's an area I've never been to. And then I know I really enjoy like the New Mexico portion of that ride. I'd love to get back down there. I had seen it during the tour of the Gila, which mm-hmm. I had a I had a really good experience at the tour of the Gila, except that I had a bad crash and was riding with road rash on half of my body. And <gasps> I couldn't I couldn't even walk because I had hit my hip. But like basically I, w- I was sprinting and I fell on my side. So I, I hit my hip so hard I couldn't even walk, but I was still able to ride the bike. And as I was riding, I'm like, oh, I wish I wasn't in a race right now because I really want to enjoy this. And I really wish I didn't have all this road rash. And every one of these cattle guards hurts so badly. Oh, because, my gosh. Cattle guards with road rash. Oh, yeah. Yeah, cattle guards, road rash and bandages. I mean, I would have been better off without the bandages because bandages just yank on everything. Right. Um, I found the people of Silver City were fabulous. They were wonderful people. I met some really neat people throughout that whole experience. Uh, But yeah, I would have loved to have been down there without the race aspect because it's a cool place. I I know Mm -hmm. a lot of pros go down there to train during the winter. And I've really wanted to get back just to just to explore it more. And I I really like the roads, but I did not enjoy the descents. Because they're so fast. Right. The, the corners were often off camber and it would be so easy to lose control and end up off the side of. Ugh. Uh, uh, yeah, not interested in that. So I, I, I found I was scared a lot during the race and I got dropped on the descent. <laughs> like, mm. no, how is this? I was doing OK on the hill, on the climbs. And then I got dropped on the descent. So, yes, to go back to to Silver City and spend some time. So, yes, doing the like tour divide and then getting to go through that area, that would be pretty cool. And then, yeah, to be able to spend a month on the bike with well, no other yeah. concerns, yeah. that would also be really nice. I feel like <laughs> a lot of the times I'm riding, there are for very short trips because it's really hard to get away for any period of time. So it would be mm-hmm. neat to be able to spend some real devoted amount of time to a bikepacking trip or something that's very cycling focused where Mm -hmm. work isn't like constantly pinging me. Yeah. Yeah. That's understandable. That's that's in the future. And I'm, I'm, I'm fine with the way it is now. Like any, any day on the bike feels like a whole vacation and really two days off together feels like a week off. (laughs) I kind of like Mm -hmm. that because it doesn't take Mm -hmm. much for me to feel really good and to be able to have a good big cycling experience. That fills me up enough to get through the next couple of weeks. Ah, you know, that's a good place to be. It's uh, I, I admire you that, you know, I really do. Um, boy. I'm really happy. I'm very lucky. I, I will I'll say this in so many ways. I'm really lucky. I'm I'm lucky I fell into this. Like mm-hmm. I it, it, this was not by construct at all that good people said, hey, I mean, this is now nine years ago. Hey, do you want to work in the bike shop? I'm like, well, I I race bikes and I ride bikes and I love bikes, but I know nothing about bikes. And I had some great mentors who brought me into the cycling world in the way that I think anyone is extremely lucky to be brought into the bike world. Yeah. 
in yeah. a very open way where it's it, it's the it's the shop, you know, like there is no it, how do you put this in a good way is you don't come in with any biases. You come in mm-hmm. wanting to do the right thing for people. You come in with that community aspect. I mean, the way I got into it was doing group rides. I really got hooked on the group rides. And I'm like, heck, I don't even want to go back to Italy now because I'm having so much time, so much, so much of a good time with these group rides. So coming in with that and then adding on the layers of technical knowledge and how you put bikes together and learning from every mechanic. I've been very fortunate to work with very quality mechanics who have been willing to share what they know mm-hmm. to, to learn the ins and outs. That's, that's just been really cool. So yeah, getting to work with the right people and, and coming into this in the right way. And obviously uh, my marriage is a wonderful thing that helps perpetuate everything and uh like it's it's a very healthy thing that i happen to be married to a wonderful person who does amazing things in the bike world and has been doing amazing things in the bike world for a really long time who has a lifetime of experience so he's taught so for me the a audience lot. who may not recall you're married to rob vandermark the right. founder of seven cycles yeah. so yeah you, you were you probably didn't really stand a chance against falling in love with titanium bikes what's what's nice i could definitely say is that i i demo road bikes and i chose the job before before the romance happened so that um i i definitely came in with the with the right intentions in mind (laughs) Um, you're saying your priorities were uh were your your intentions were honest (laughs) yes yes exactly exactly so which one would i fall in love with first the titanium bike and then (laughs) and then and then the romance happened to blossom which was actually very uh worrisome to me and i think to to him as well that um we didn't want anything to get in the way of, of the business because mm-hmm. we had a great working relationship. Um, so to be able to combine the two of those together has been, has been exceptional. And he teaches me a lot. Um, and, and then, and we also have our own work life. Like he's at sure. seven doing his thing during the day and, and I'm at the bike shops. So we bring very different experiences and realities and perspectives together. Yeah. Uh, and then you know, like to have someone who's a great partner in life and cycling, like we love fat biking together. We love tandem riding together. We went to Warsaw and went to the world track championships and took our tandem and rode around Warsaw together. Uh, and, you know, things like that. Like, man, that's cool. That's, that's really cool. I feel just, just really lucky. I, I, at some point I stopped, I stopped trying to engineer my life and my life fell, fell together and that's where I found the bike shop. I, f- I found my 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 love and I found love and bikes and being able to do this all the time. So, yeah, so it's all been it's all been really good. And yeah, where is it going? What are we going to do next? What's coming in the future? We have yet to see, but it's all really exciting. It's good stuff. You know, it's to hear you share that is really lovely. Uh, I you know, I, I genuinely envy you that. Not many people have their lives uh, come together in quite that way. Um, you know, it's it's neat to see your example. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. And I and hope other I'm people can see that too. Be losing yeah. you as a co-host. <laughs> well, Patrick, it's been really neat getting to know you. 
through this. It's been really neat getting to know the audience. I've connected with a lot of people. And speaking yeah. of connecting and staying connected, please find me on Instagram at Skinny Tires. That's my Instagram account where I post pictures of whatever's going on. And there have been some fun discussions that I've had there and offline. And then uh, I've got a website, SkinnyTires.com, where I'll continue to keep people posted as to like what's happening. And there's links to the bike shops there as well. So yeah, th- there's a lot more to be said, a lot more things to share. And obviously I have to get past this. Okay. Everything's crazy and there's no time for anything, but then there's, there's more to come. Yeah. And yeah, I wish sure. you really well with this show. I'm going to be listening. Um, I know at least one of the people you're going to be doing some upcoming shows with, which is really neat. So, um, yeah, so I'm going to continue to enjoy listening to the show. And yeah, hopefully I'll be able to contribute something more in the future. We'll see what happens. Yeah. So to let the audience know, uh, for the next month, um, we, uh, uh, and we should say, yeah, sorry about the, the bumping around of uh, the schedule of the show, the days we post. Um, but that's partly a reflection of just how things, uh, how crazy things got for you with mm-hmm. the shop. Uh, but for the next month, uh, I will have, uh, guest co-hosts, uh, in, uh, John Lewis robot from the cycling independent and Cush, Michael Cushenberry, uh, our editor in chief at TCI. So they will sub in for the next month and I'm beginning a couple of conversations with new co-hosts. So hopefully by the end of April, I'll have a new name for you. Um, but uh, I think we're going to have some fun with our uh, with our co-hosts, uh, at least a lot of laughter, if nothing else. Um, so uh, thanks, everyone, for bearing with us through this upcoming transition. I'm thanking you in advance <laughs> um, again. Patria, I'm sorry to lose you. This has been really lovely. Thanks so much for uh, the opportunity, Patrick. This is, is really been good. I appreciate yeah. it very much. Uh, all righty, everybody. Uh, that's it for this show. Uh, Check us out on the Cycling Independent, uh, and uh, we'll be back next week. Until next week, I'm Patrick Brady saying goodbye to Patria Vandermark. Thank you for listening to The Pace Line.